Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. The Russian-Ukrainian war has been going on now for several months. People interested in prophecy have wondered and asked me if the war of Gog and Magog, prophesied in Ezekiel 38 and 39, is this war. They also wonder if Putin isn't the Gog of the Gog and Magog war, because Gog is a person. Well, others have wondered, why did Putin even start this war? What are the rationale and the reasons behind it? Those are all good questions, and we can find the answers in the Bible. I'm Debbie Blank. Glad you've joined us today as we examine if the battle of Gog and Magog in the Bible gives us any insights into these modern day events that are going on. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. A wise person once observed that truth is the first casualty of war. That's because once war begins, deception is an important tactic in warfare. So when it comes to the current war between Russia and Ukraine, there are many things we may never know for sure. But God gives us a pretty clear picture of an important end times war in the book of Ezekiel. And because of all the Matthew 24 birth pangs we seem to already be experiencing, including wars and rumors of wars, it seems to be natural to wonder if this war between Russia and Ukraine could be that same end times war, the war of Gog and Magog. Thankfully, we have God's word to answer that question for us today. We do, but let's give a little history first so that we can understand why this war took place, at least from a worldly standpoint. Ukraine became independent in 1991 when the USSR collapsed because it was previously part of the Russian Empire. It gradually has looked to the West through the European Union and NATO to gain their independence and have stature in this world. Well, after years of threats and months of buildup, Putin began his aggression into the Ukraine February of this year. This, of course, followed his invasion and annexation of the Crimean Peninsula, which is the southern part of the Ukraine, in 2014, as well as the annexation of 20% of Georgia in 2008. So this isn't anything new. Russia continues to chip away at the old Russian Empire to gain back those parts of the empire little by little. Now, his stated goal for this particular Ukrainian war was that they wanted to demilitarize and denazify Ukraine, ensure Ukrainians' neutral status, and liberate the two areas of the Ukraine, which are Luhansk and Donetsk, from Ukrainian control because they were really Russia's people. If that was truly the case, why have they gone in to invade more of the Ukraine than just those two areas? And since Putin's a proven liar, as you mentioned earlier, changes in his verbiage happen all the time. He says one thing one day, and then a week later, he'll say something else. And he doesn't prove what he's saying. So really, we have no accurate details as to why he's going into the Ukraine. However, we do have some biblical reasons why, and we do have some logical reasons why he's invaded the Ukraine. And that's where we're going to go today. And we're going to begin by looking in the Bible to see what it says so we can glean information. The Gog and Magog War of Ezekiel 38 and 39 has been prophesied 2,500 years ago. We know 
It has been proven that this war has never occurred since it was prophesied because it has to have a specific timing and a specific group of people and a rationale that have never occurred before. So let me read the first 12 verses of this passage to give you an overview of what this war is going to look like. And we'll talk in the process if it matches up with the current war. Verse two says, son of man, set your face toward Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal and prophesy against him. Clearly, when it says that Gog is a prince, that means he's a person, a person of great power. And it says Gog is of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal. We know Meshach and Tubal are the area of Turkey today. But Rosh is the area of Russia. Magog is the area of the former Russian Empire, some of which is part of Russia today. And it's not because the name Rosh or any of those things might sound like Russia. Or it's because the historians can prove that that's the land of the Scythians. And the Scythians controlled the land that is now modern day Russia. They don't mention Russia here because Russia was not in existence at the time that Ezekiel wrote this. He goes on to say in verse five, that this is also going to include Persia, Ethiopia, and put that are going to go with Turkey and Russia. Persia, we know as Iran, Ethiopia isn't the modern day Ethiopia as much as it is Northern Sudan. That's what Ethiopia encompassed back when this was written. And then finally put is Libya. Libya isn't a place we've heard a lot about since Gaddafi was murdered, but it is an area that has a lot of oil. It's an area that's in great turmoil right now with two factions fighting over that country. But the interesting thing about it is it is coalescing with Russia and Turkey, Iran, and Northern Sudan right now. That's never happened before. So those are the five major players that are involved in this Gog and Magog war. Well, that right there tells you that this is not the Ukrainian war because the Ukrainian war is Russia alone. It does not include these other four nations. So we can rule out that the Ukrainian war is this biblical battle. Let's go on to look at this now. God says in verse four of Ezekiel 38, I will turn you about and put hooks in your jaws and I will bring you out and all of your army, horses and horsemen, all of them splendidly attired a great company with buckler and shield, all of them wielding swords. So God is going to be the one that's going to bring this about. And when he says he's putting hooks in their jaws, that's quite a word picture to tell us that God is going to literally force them to do this, to go up in this war that he has planned. When it says horses and horsemen and all those things splendidly attired, I think, what is President Putin threatening these days? He's threatening nuclear war. But the fact is, this Gog and Magog war is not going to be a nuclear war. It's going to be hand-to-hand -hand combat. Goes on to tell us in verse 7, Be prepared and prepare yourself, you and all of your companions that are assembled about you, and be on a guard for them. So then it tells us in verse 8 a lot more details about this war. After many days, you will be summoned in the latter years. Timing there. Latter years is the final years before the return of Christ. It says you will come into a land that is restored from the sword, whose inhabitants have been gathered from many of the nations to the mountains of Israel, which has been a continual waste. But his people were brought out from the nations and they are living securely, all of them. There's a lot right there. 
it says that they're going to come into Israel. And Israel is described as a land that is restored from the sword. Well, Israel was conquered by other nations for 2,500 years until 1948 when it was restored from the sword. And then it said, whose habitants have been gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel. We can look back to Aliyah that began at the end of the 1800s and has increased to the point that you have seven and a half to eight million Jews in Israel right now compared to the 250,000 to 500,000 that were there just 70 some years ago. So they have returned and they haven't just returned to the land. They've returned from being gathered from many nations. When they were taken away from Israel before, they were taken to the nation of Babylon. That was one nation. When they went to Egypt, even before that, they went down to one nation. Now they're going to be returning from many nations. That's modern day Israel. And then it describes Israel as having been a continual waste. Well, we can look into numerous quotes from people from the 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th century, even the 19th century, talking about how Israel, that land, was continual waste. As a matter of fact, Mark Twain wrote in his book that he'd never seen such a wasteland as he saw in that land that they called Palestine. Now it's fruitful. They provide much of the fruit and vegetables to Europe, as well as feeding themselves and other people in the Middle East. And then it says they're living securely. Well, there's a lot of people who disagree about that because is Israel secure when they have nations all around them who want to destroy them? When they have a wall that they personally have built to protect themselves from Palestinian terrorists? Well, you and I have been there. It's as secure as any country that we know. I'm comfortable there. I've walked around by myself many times in the streets of northern Israel and Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. So right now, that verse 8 fits with modern day Israel. It goes on to say about this war in verse 9, and you, this is Rosh and the nations that are with them. It says, and you will go up, you will come like a storm. You will be like a cloud covering the land, you and all of your troops and many peoples with you. That tells us that it's going to be a huge number of people that are coming against Israel. This isn't just one army. This is probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people coming against Israel because they're going to cover the land. Thus says the Lord God, it will come about in that day that thoughts will come into your mind and you will devise an evil plan and you will say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. I will go up against those who are at rest and live securely, all of them living without walls and having no bars or gates. That also describes how secure Israel is. Now, why are they going up? In verse 12, it says that these five nations have coalesced for the purpose of capturing spoil and seizing plunder and to turn your hand against the waste places which are now inhabited and against the people who are gathered from the nations who have acquired cattle and goods who live in the center of the earth. They're going to come up to Israel to capture their spoil. And not only that, they're going to take the plunder, whatever it is that they find, they're going to take it. And they say that they're going to be against the waste places which are now inhabited. So it's also the land. Then it says they're going against the people who've gathered from the nations. So it's the people, it's the land, it's the resources. Well, Russia has shown no interest in Israel's people. Matter of fact, they have a good relationship with them right now, or they have had until recently. They don't seem to want to fight against the people of Israel. Who does? The Iranians. 
the Iranians have said we are going to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. That part of the coalition could be coalescing because they want to destroy Israel. And this is an opportunity to do it, to get rid of the people. When you look at the land that they come up to inhabit the land, well, the Arabs want to take over the land. The Persians want to take over the land. So they could be talking about that, but they could also be talking about taking over the land potentially because of any resources that they might find in the land. More specifically, if they have control of that land, they have control of the water that surrounds the land, and that's where Israel's resources are. Golda Meir, a former prime minister of Israel, said in the 70s that God let the Jews wander in the wilderness for 40 years to put them in the only place in the Middle East that doesn't have oil. But what they do have is natural gas. Hundreds of millions of cubic feet of natural gas that have been discovered off the shores of Israel that are going to play into this future desire for Russia and their coalition to come against Israel. What's interesting about that whole passage that you just read is after the first few verses, we know that this isn't the war with Russia and Ukraine. And yet it was worth reading and continuing on because the rest of it shows us how this next war, the war of Gog and Magog, is being set up right now. You can see the setup. Why is this important to know? Because what we're seeing in Russia right now with President Putin is the beginning. They're strong arming Europe because of Europe's dependence on oil and gas from Russia. And the goal is eventually, I believe, to take over the oil and gas any place they can around the world. Someone said to me when this war first started, why is it happening? Because it wasn't clear. And I said, it all has to do with oil and gas. They're not saying that in the media. And I said, no, but the Bible says so. It's going to be something that Israel has. And right now, Israel has a great economy. And a lot of it has to do with their ability in the IT world and the upstarts of the companies that they have started there. But that's not a natural resource. So it's got to be a natural resource. And the only resource they have is this oil and gas. And what Russia wants is oil and gas because 70% of Russia's exports are the oil and the gas industry, and 52% of their federal budget comes from the oil and gas industry. They're going to use that as a rationale to go into Israel, I believe. And that's if we are definitely living in the end times, which I believe we are, that's going to be the precursor for this battle. That's the only, again, resource that Israel has. Now, let's look at a couple of things. Why did Russia go into the Ukraine then? Was it for oil and gas because the Ukraine has it? Ukraine has access to the waterways so that Russia can ship their oil through there. More importantly, Europe relies on Russia for 40% of their natural gas and 25% of their oil. So Russia figured that if they go in and take over the Ukraine like they've been wanting to do for their rationale that part of it really is Russian, then nobody's going to stop them because Europe relies on their exports. They didn't stop them when Russia went into Crimea or Georgia, nor did the United States stop them. So they figured they could do the same thing over again. President Putin's trying to take over many of the territories that he's had before for the oil and the gas, but he's also trying to take over the Western powers. He's trying to flex his muscles to gain control by threatening a nuclear war, by going into NATO countries 
or potential NATO countries and taking over more and more of the world. We have not seen a land grab like this since World War II. What's really interesting to me about what the Bible has told us long before anybody knew was that there would be spoils that Russia would be interested in. What before just a few years ago would have been the draw? They didn't know, I'm trying to remember how long ago it was that they discovered these gas fields, but it wasn't that long ago. 1999. When did the Bible say this? How many thousands of years was this written? When the Bible knew there would be that something and people would think, what is it gonna be? What is it gonna be? And then we find out it's been there all along. God knew all along what the draw would be. Also, Israel could be a direct competitor when we talk about Europe taking sanctions against Russia for this incursion into the Ukraine. They were dependent on Russian gas and oil. How are they going to do that? Well, they may have another source. That other source could be Israel. If at some point in time they can turn to Israel, then Russia would want to do something about that competitor. So taking over would be one of the ways to do that. You would eliminate the competitor and also get their spoils. So it's really interesting to me how the Bible predicted this, and then it comes to pass. Right now, Israel is exporting that gas to Egypt and Jordan, and they've made an agreement with Greece and Cyprus to put a pipeline under the Mediterranean Sea to pipe in gas to them. If it gets to Greece, it's going to get to the rest of Europe also. So for the first time ever, Israel is a competitor of Russia. As I mentioned before, Russia and Israel have had a good relationship, but that's changing. And the reason it's changing is support over the Ukraine, or at least that's what Russia is saying. Russians have said that they'll continue allowing Israel airstrikes against Iran and Syria and Hezbollah, even though Russia backs them, because now they're losing their patience over all these strikes that Israel has done against Russia's proxies. On May 13th, Russian forces fired an S-300 anti-aircraft missile at Israeli planes that were attacking an underground bunker in Syria. That's never happened before. Fortunately, they failed, but Russia has never fired a missile at Israeli aircraft. Things are changing. Also remember that Russia's cohort is Iran, who wants to destroy Israel, and they've threatened to do it with nuclear weapons that they've threatened with for a long time. Russia has supplied all of the nuclear materials that they need to Iran so that they can build this nuclear program. Well, it is on the horizon. According to Joel Rosenberg, in just five days, Iran will have enough fuel to build the bomb. And that was in the middle of May. So we're closer now than ever, even though they say it'll take maybe a year to actually develop a nuclear warhead for a missile. Israel's been watching this for a long time. Israel's been threatening to go in and dismantle this by covert actions as well as bombings. The United States has not allowed them to, but I don't think they can afford to allow Iran to have a nuclear weapon. If Israel does bomb Iran in a major way that stops their nuclear program, they're going to be more determined than ever to work with Russia to go in and destroy Israel. So why do we have this war? According to the Bible, eventually it's going to deal with gaining enough power that they can go in 
and destroy Israel or attempt to destroy Israel. We haven't read the rest of the passage, but if you continue reading in the two chapters of Ezekiel 38 and 39, we find out that God miraculously protects his people and that instead of Russia and their cohorts destroying Israel, God destroys them in the land of Israel. What we're seeing is the preparation of Russia trying to take control of their former power that they had going into Ukraine and you capturing that territory and gaining a stronger world position. And then you also have the fact that they are trying to weaken the Western powers and collapse NATO. That has a big point in the play of this particular war because the Ukraine wants to work with NATO. NATO was established after World War II with the goal of preserving peace in Europe and protecting democratic nations from potential attacks by the Soviet Union. So, of course, Russia is going to want to dismantle them because they're against Russia. Right now, there are 30 members of NATO. The Ukraine wants to move to become a member, as does Finland, which borders Russia. Because they're afraid of Russia and what Russia is going to do to them. And they want the backing and the support of the Western powers. But Russia is trying to collapse all that. Keep in mind, though, that when NATO was formed, it was formed not with the idea of using nuclear weapons, but manpower. Since that has happened, the United States has reduced our number of people in Europe to 30,000 from 500,000. England has virtually no manpower near Russia. Germany has cut its army from 12 divisions down to four. Poland and Ukraine have the largest active military servicemen of any of the nations. So if they can join NATO, that enforces NATO even more. Russia doesn't want that. And then consider another thing that we really haven't talked about, and that is President Putin. What is President Putin like? The fact is, everything I read about him says that he is sick and that he's demented. Basically, he has nothing to lose. Ukrainian military intelligence chief Major Bunanov has publicly said that Putin was a very bad psychological and physical condition, and he's very sick. Former MI6 director believes he's going to be out of power within a year. Now, this is key. A surgeon of Moscow's Central Clinic Hospital is reported to have met Putin at the leader's Black Sea Resort some 35 times. And this particular doctor wrote his thesis on the treatment of elderly and senile patients with thyroid cancer. A particular Texas Tech University professor who specializes in body language says of Putin, it's an astonishing, weakened Putin. So he has nothing to lose. If he can go down in history as restoring Russia to its former power and gaining access to the oil or at least preparing the world for that takeover of Israel for the next president that comes in, he'll go down in history as a hero. And maybe that's what this is all about. As we're talking about the players for the Gog and Magog war that we see definitely lining up right now, we see what's happening with Russia, which makes them a player in the Gog and Magog war. We see Iran with the hatred for Israel being a player in the Gog and Magog war. And I wondered about Turkey because Turkey's also mentioned and Erdogan is a player on the world stage and wants to be more of one. Right now, when um, Sweden and Finland have said they would like to also join NATO, which puts a couple more countries right close to Russia that are NATO countries, and Russia does not want that. They didn't want Ukraine to be a NATO country, and now they would have two more NATO countries right there by Russia. They're not going to like that. However, 
Erdogan said, you have to have unanimous approval of the NATO nations, and Turkey is a NATO nation, and he's not going to approve of Finland and Sweden coming into NATO. So how does Turkey fit into all of this? Well, I think you've already mentioned it. They are a proxy of Russia. Because Erdogan has turned into a more radical Muslim nation than they were when they joined NATO. And it would be very advantageous for Russia to have their support so that perhaps the United States and NATO organizations would not be able to be based out of Turkey. You see, Russia will have to come down through Turkey to come into Israel. Well, they can't do that if NATO has their bases in Turkey because the NATO nations won't allow them to do that. So that relationship has to continue to grow. Right now, Turkey is devastated financially. Their exports and imports have decreased significantly. So they need the help of Russia. And they have also changed their ideas about Israel. In 2007, they were the number two nation supporter of Israel behind the United States. And now they do not support Israel in pretty much anything they do. They maintain a semblance of a relationship with them but they're not. Keep in mind, all of this has to do with oil. And Turkey needs oil just like anybody else does. Turkey's getting their oil from Russia. Now, bring in another of those five countries, and that's Libya. I mentioned earlier that that nation is in turmoil right now, divided between two fighting factions. Do you know that Libya is sitting on a wealth of oil? Faction that gains control of this country will probably quickly go to Russia for their support. And as a matter of fact, it may be Russia who determines who the winner of this war is. As you can imagine, the United States is supporting one faction and Russia is supporting another faction. Russia needs oil more than anything, and they will do whatever they need to get it. Iran has oil. Libya has oil. Then you look at Sudan. Sudan also is said to have huge amounts of oil, but it has to be processed. Russia can do that. If you look at a map, you've got Russia on the north, you've got Iran on the east, you've got Sudan on the south, you've got Libya more on the western side of northern Africa. You've got a good piece of the world enveloped by that coalition and their control of oil. It's interesting to me that the United States produces 20% of the oil in the world. We're the top producer of all oil, petroleum products. We're also the top consumer using 20% of the oil of the world. We should be independent in this oil situation, but we're not because we've stopped drilling for oil, even though we have huge deposits in the Gulf of Mexico and in Alaska. Hopefully that'll change so we can become independent again. But right now the world needs oil. And keep in mind that we're talking about building more and more cars that are electric cars. But in order to have electric cars, we need oil to, and gas to keep the energy running to be able to build up the electrical supply that we need for these cars. There's a lot of variables in this. But when you look at the five players of this coalition of Gog and Magog, they all have a couple common purposes. One is they don't like the West, and the other is oil. That's going to be probably what brings them together when they go to fight Israel. We don't know, but what we do know is the Bible says that this war with Ukraine is not the Gog and Magog war, and Putin is not Gog, at least at this point, not in this time period. But we do know that Russia and their coalescence will come up against Israel and will try to defeat them for the spoil that they have only had for the last 23 years. 
God's timing is perfect, and this is a war that must happen, and it must happen, we believe, before the tribulation starts. So it could happen any day. Be on the alert. Be prepared. Turn to Jesus. Be faithful in walking with him, because any war that takes place as we are seeing is going to affect you and I in our comforts, but also in our spiritual walk and in the walk for truth. That's why we need Jesus now more than ever. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.